This day in music, documentaries. An in-depth look at some of the most important musicians in the history of music. This day in music, documentaries. Hello, I'm Pete Mitchell, and this is Reach Out, the story of the four tops. Detroit, Michigan. Motortown. Motown. This is the Motown Sound. Somebody sing! From 1965, Shake Me, Wake Me. By 1966, Motown was selling more product than any other company. That year, 22 singles reached the top 20, three of them reaching number one. The sound of young America was everywhere. The working combination of the group and Holland Dozier Holland would reach a creative zenith on their next recording released in August. It was Hitsville's most ambitious recording to date and some say the greatest Motown record of all time. Writer Lamont Dozier admitted that the phrasing of I'll be there came from listening to Bob Dylan. The record sounded so different that it was nearly rejected by the quality control department and Smokey Robinson hated it. For the four tops, it was more than memorable. For a number of reasons, memorable. Yeah. I didn't like it when I first really? heard it. When I first heard it in Barry's girlie's office, I mean, I, I liked it after I heard it on the radio. Maybe when, he, in fact, he called us in for a meeting. He said, "Fellas, I'm getting ready to release the biggest hit you ever had." We said, "Bigger than Can't Help Myself?" Probably so. Yeah. He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, when are we going to record it?" He said, "You did already." Man, we I looked. I ain't recording nothing better than Can't Help Myself. That's bull. So you know, he said, he started playing. He said, "Listen to this." And he played it a while. And I said, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. Barry, that was an experiment. That yep. goes on one of the albums, doesn't it? He said, it's going to go on the album, all right. He said, but it's going out as your best single. We walked out of the office very mad. We was upset at Barry. We said, please don't release it, man. We got momentum. I said, you know, we will be, we'll be 50 with an anchor instead of one with a bullet. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> so two weeks later when I heard it on the radio, I totally felt 100% different. And I rushed up to the office, broke, opened his door and told him, Barry, don't ever ask us anymore about what you're going to do. Just do it. My rough style of singing is just um, a natural thing. What I mean by, by I, don't, I don't consider myself as being a heck of a singer, man. I, I, I'm more of a stylist, if you will. Then to reach out to, come on, girl, to reach out for me, that's, uh, I mean, it's like it was a natural thing to me. You see, I, I like to live what I what I do, you know, and then record performances, you know, I like to live them. Uh, in other words, I can't look at a, uh, the, the lyrics and then try to interpret them. I have to try to understand what they mean and then go for myself. I mean, uh, if that's just me. If it's good, then beautiful. If, it, if it's not, then, you know, you can't do any more than you can do. That's, that's the way I felt about it. Come on, girl, reach out for me.
Motown's achievements throughout 1966 are many. Their second slogan, the Motown Sound, appeared. Gordy purchased local rival Ed Wingate's Golden World Company, including artists from Riptic like Edwin Starr, and the corporation opened an office on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. There was even Hitsville merchandise that included the marketing of white bread that carried the Supremes' images and biography on the wrapper. Barry Gordy told the New York Times that the kids were buying their records without even hearing them. It is fair to say that the competition within the company was at an all-time high. Barry issued an all-staff memo stating that we will release nothing less than top 10 product on any artist. The race was on to find the follow-up to reach out. And once again, Holland Dozier Holland came up with the goods. Standing in the shadows of love is—it's—it's it's hard for me to describe that tune. At first, I couldn't—I couldn't get a get a feeling for it, you know, because uh, my interpretation of standing in the shadows of love was rather vague. I, I just, you know, couldn't come up with it. So it took me two or three days to—I listened to it, and took it home, and lived with it, you know. And after a while, uh, it seemed to start, you know, materializing. And fortunately, it, it happened. And it, and I might add, it's one of our favorites too. Standing in the shadows of love. the 60s and Motown were in full swing. The company turned over an incredible $40 million, but things were not what they seemed. As Martha Reeves and the Vandellas performed at the Fox Theatre, the show was stopped as the city began to burn. The Summer of Love blossomed, but Detroit succumbed to the riots, leaving 43 dead. The idyllic lifestyle that Motown portrayed was coming to an end. The company had to brace itself for change as Vietnam and the civil rights movement became the focus for young America. Through the mirror of my mind, time after time, I see reflections of you and me, reflections of the way life used to be. The Four Tops were by now one of the most successful acts in America. Here is Abdul Duke Fakir. It was fun. It was great fun everywhere. It seemed like it seemed like everybody was working. So you know, the industry, the the motor industry was going great. The music industry, Motown was going great, and a couple other things were going great. It seemed like everybody had money. They had, everyone was going out on the weekends. The clubs. I mean, you could go to any neighborhood and you could hear music all over the weekend just coming out of these clubs. I mean, you'd be walking down the street and you could just you just have to bounce, you know, mm. and bounce and walk and talk. We just had oh, everywhere you went. It was just so much fun and there was so much talent everywhere. I mean, not only were the Motown art, we were out listening to other people that were coming along. And every, every, all these different uh, nightclubs would have different shows. But around about 67, we were we were in full speed ahead, um, honestly. And yeah. that was so much fun. Any idea how many at the height, how many live shows a year you would do? I suppose you were out most nights of the week. Would you three or four nights at least at the minimum, wouldn't you? Not be about all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we were on the road and we we were young and we were enjoying it. When I was when I was home, I also ended up owning a, a bar, a wine bar with one of the Detroit basketball players, the Pistons. Oh, all right. So when okay. I was home, I was out as well. I mean, but it got so bad I had to just stop. I yeah. mean, one day I just walked out the bar and said, hey, Joe, you got it. 
The group were riding on the crest of a wave, and it was once again up to Holland Dozier Holland to follow up the two previous massive hit singles with another huge success. It would come in the form of Bernadette. Phil Spector said of the song, it was Levi singing Bob Dylan. Stubbs would arguably deliver his greatest ever vocal performance. They started recording all the all the tracks, and we just come in and, and listen to them, get the theory of what they what the song is about. We work out some backgrounds. Why Eddie Holland would get with Levi and go here, you know, talk to him about the melody, yeah. and then Levi would look at the words and he'd take his pen and pencil and he would write the words out. Once he touched them with his pen oh, and right, write yeah, them out, but yeah. well, he had that he, it, it, he had that real played, played, pleading vocal, didn't and he? Yes, it, it, it sounded like he, it sounded like every song he sang he really meant, and he did. Mm. By the time mm. by the time he got to the studio after he wrote those words out, mm. he actually seemed like he lived those words. So where do you get that passion from? Does, it, does that come from the church? Does that come from gospel, that passion to, to sing? Uh, it, it probably does. I mean, that, that's where my passion started at. Levi, uh, yeah, in fact, they, they told me, that was before I met him, they told me he was almost a young preacher. Oh, right. Yeah, well, yeah. I can understand that. He would have been a great preacher. Yes, yeah. he was. I mean, he was a comedian and everything else. Was it? <laughs> I mean, oh, he okay. was a lot of fun all the time. <laughs> Bernadette is a tune that I didn't think I could do at all. You know, I really didn't have the message for me until there was, a, there was an Italian fellow that came over to teach us some Italian lyrics to this particular tune. And through his explaining, uh, you know, about what some of the various words meant, you know, and the significance of them in Italian, it gave me a better outlook on, on the thing. And uh, through that, I was able to get a little message across, I'd say. As their success continues, rumours began circulating that the relationship between Barry Gordy and his number one hit-making writers and producers Holland Dozier Holland was in trouble. For the time being, though, it was business as usual for the Four Tops as they went back into the studio to record a song inspired by the Rolling Stones' Painted Black. The rather mysterious Seven Rooms of Gloom would be their next hit. I never got a true, really, answer from the writers, producers why that song... But one of them, it was it was a personal thing that one of them had, and but I, and he never would tell me the whole story. I mean, but we always usually knew what the story was that why they wrote certain songs. This one, I, I, we never could get a a true true answer. Uh, but you know, but it did it did fairly well. You know, Holland yeah. Dozier, Holland Tune, it had that Motown funky feel. You know, the, the the Funk Brothers was right up under us, and that's why I got that uh, expression, a red carpet to ride on. Oh yeah. You know, when we come home off the road, Holland Dozier and Holland would have all kind of tracks for us to sing, and I call them. I'd listen to him. We said, "Wow, another red carpet to ride on." Oh yeah, We get on it and Levi get to interpret him words. I see a house, a house of stone. 
You're listening to Reach Out, the story of the four tops. This day in music, documentaries. An in-depth look at some of the most important musicians in the history of music. This day in music, documentaries.